1: Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombuscom slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first
0: purchase. Introducing WonderSuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com/slash wondersuite.
2: For this month's episode, Katie is interviewing Sophie, who runs the Instagram account Law with Sophie. Offering advice for aspiring lawyers and workwear looks, this popular account with over seven thousand followers is balanced with working at a silver circle firm. I'm going
1: to start with the first question: What made you decide to start Law with Sophie?
2: Um, starting Law with Sophie was very much a lockdown project, like the rest of the country, just trying to keep myself busy, basically. Um, but I feel like there is there is a bit more nuance to it than that. Um, so. I started my page in January of this year and it obviously was in deepest, darkest steps of the lockdown. Um, but it coincided with a really, really quiet period for me at work. Um, and obviously most lawyers, um, myself included, we like to be kept busy. And so I just found myself really like floundering and wasn't in like a very good headspace and just needed to find ways to keep myself occupied. Um, and then sort of like a you know adjacent to that as well through my own journey as everybody loves to uh, describe it but you know it can sometimes feel like a bit of a mission to get the training contract or whatever route you pursue like my journey to law was quite difficult it did take me quite a long time and um so being that I was kind of like a career changer and it took me a few years to get my training contract. One thing I'd always kind of said, and it's a bit, it sounds a bit weird and random and like, I'm not saying I ever would do this, but whenever I would talk to my dad about it, he'd be like, you really should write a book. Like there's lots of people out there that struggle the same as you. And you have a lot of knowledge and experience you can pass on being on the other side of that. Um, now I'm not going to write a book obviously but an Instagram page I thought was a really good sort of uh, way of just getting that knowledge across and um, for me the biggest thing is just the information gap and um, I I just feel like a normal person like I don't have industry connections and um, I come from a working class family from Manchester uh, to say my dad has no connections to the law is an understatement he's an engineer and he doesn't know the first thing about working in a professional environment never mind the law and he was super supportive but like I didn't have any kind of access to the industry and um, I also went to do business at uni but at a uni so I went to the University of Bath which was a fantastic uni um, but it only really does non-humanities so the vast majority of people graduate with a BSc from Bath and so law firms didn't really come to career fairs and things like that so that Angle was kind of thwarted. I was like seeking out my own work experience and stuff like that in the holidays. And everything I had to do was like proactive. I was constantly trying to like get information, meet people, learn about the industry. Um, And to be honest, I just don't feel it should be that difficult. (laughs) Um, I think the information gap is the biggest barrier to the industry for a lot of people like me who don't have those connections, might be socially mobile. And it was just exemplified for me on the GDL as well. Like lots of my peers on the GDL got their training contract on the GDL. I didn't. It took me three more years. And the people that seemed to succeed were the ones that had friends whose parents were at law firms and could read their applications for them, or they had connections to the industry such that they could get an insight into what the industry is like. For me, that's one of, I know we're going to talk about it later, but that's one of the biggest ways that I feel you're successful in your applications it's important you understand the industry as well, just for you, like to know if you, if you actually want to be in the law. But um, cynically, like those applications are the best ones where you can show an understanding of what the day to day role is like. So with my platform, I hope to try and pass on what I've learned over the years. And it's it, for me, it's very much on the practical side. It's like what I've learned through the assessment centres I went to, the interviews I had and the good feedback I got from those and also being that I'm qualified because I think that is a different kind of niche. There's lots of like law blogs that are students but for me obviously I've done my training and now I'm qualified so I try to let people know what the day-to-day life of a solicitor is like um, such that they can then hopefully remedy that exact problem and, and say actually I have an appreciation of what it's like to be a solicitor so ex-firm when I'm applying to you I understand what you do and here's how I'm a good candidate you know because of that um, and yeah it was actually on my like personal page I hope people use that phrase but my non-law page Um, I was on my explore page I don't think I've ever told her this actually but um, Mia from Legally Possible came up on my explore page and my tiny little mind was just blown I was like legal Instagram (laughs) like what why didn't I know about this um and it just seemed to bring together all of those things like remedy kind of all of those things I've been looking to do and it's it's been it's been a really really fulfilling thing and it's also supplemented the gap in kind of that graduate recruitment because you get involved in that a lot when you're a trainee like your first few seats and then they kind of forget about you and badger the newer trainees. Um, but I've really enjoyed grad recruitment and just like trying to help people as much as I could. And obviously it's completely selfish because it makes you feel good. But yeah, I've, I just really enjoy trying to get more people into the industry, basically.
1: No, I love I love that whole story. And it's so true what you're saying about um, legal Instagram. It's a, whole, it's a whole thing. And I think Ellie and I saw a, like a different space in the legal instagram world where we were like actually we need to get professionals to speak yeah. about what this role is um especially for those people that don't have access to university careers events where they've got those speakers so no it's so great to hear i feel like we're trying to do a similar thing um but yeah, yeah. i love your page i think it's great yeah um, that's exactly what
2: you are doing with a podcast is people can listen to this podcast and they don't need to have those industry connections like they can get that insight and the inside track you know whatever background they're from so it is great but yeah and again it's very being very specific I feel like you're covering very specific topics with the different guests and I'm a big fan of that I'm a big fan of number one no fluff and no filler and no generic crap basically um and number two I just stay in my lane you know I that's what I know I don't talk about like study tips for example like I literally never would because I'm just not I'm not a good student <laughs> you you guys and like loads of other people can can tackle that and um, so I just think yeah it's not helpful to anybody you know that is the problem with the industry there's so much generic bump out there Um, it's that's not helpful to anybody like people need very specific relevant applicable stuff so that they can resonate with that and like absorb it and use it going forward so it's
1: good to hear that, that is so true. I mean, there's so much online about applying for law, qualifying as a solicitor, even life at the bar. But finding those specific things, it's almost overwhelming how much information there is. Like I know when I went to start my applications, you type in like how to write an amazing law application, and there's just thousands of stuff. But actually, like how even to process all that information. So yeah, no, I just love the short sweet post you do where it's like this is a good starting point it's like that's exactly what what the legal instagram space needs yay thank you <laughs> um so one of our listeners wanted to know how did you decide to become a solicitor rather than a barrister obviously you touched on how it, it took you a while to get your training contract um yes yeah, so if you want to talk about that
2: yeah absolutely it's a really interesting question i think this is a big decision that everybody needs to kind of make for themselves. For me, it was crystal clear from the off as soon as I started doing my research and um, I never considered being a barrister <laughs> for several reasons. Firstly, what well, I think for anybody in their career in law, it's about reflecting and really taking that time to understand yourself and what your drivers are and what your skills are and what you're passionate about. Um, I grew up as one of those kids that everybody obnoxiously said like, oh, you're destined to be a lawyer, la la la. Um, Which I think is just because I was like really annoying and argumentative and stuff like that. But obviously, like the layperson doesn't really know the difference between those things. So when I was at uh, college, I did law A-level. And that's when I first started to get a bit of an exposure to the different types of careers you can have um, within the law. And also did a bit around kind of, you know, starting to get some skills in in those different spaces. So like a little bit of mooting, I think you know, we went to court, things like that. And so I started to do loads of research. And for me, I think the biggie is if you're going to be a barrister, you have to enjoy advocacy. Like, that's it. And I really didn't. I don't enjoy advocacy. Um, To me, it feels like acting. Um, I'm someone that's like weirdly confident, but like weirdly not. I don't enjoy having all of the eyes in the room like focusing on me and what I'm saying and like really weighing every word that I'm saying and that is like the fundamental role of a barrister. Um, I'm sure it's something you need to get over but like day in day out speaking in court the thought of that just terrifies me. Um, Also in terms of you know from a very Myers-Briggs perspective I'm a very extroverted person I get my energy from other people so I really like working in teams and bouncing ideas off people and I like day-to-day working with clients as people that's kind of like what I had from some of my work experience. Barristers on the other hand are obviously very solitary people so the self-employed yes you know chambers kind of are their home but by and large day-to-day my understanding is and I think it's something that's been born to be true by people I've met since Um, they, they live quite a solitary existence kind of working on briefs and doing lots of in-depth research so that wasn't really you know for me and my personality what I wanted also the final thing um I don't I'm not trying to like do a whole humble brag here but I just really don't think I'm like smart enough to be a barrister barristers uh, are like so in love with like the black letter law and can really go into chapter and verse on their specialized areas I'm very much a commercial lawyer um as in like the commerciality I'm not Someone that sits and reads every page of a judgment. I'm someone that when I was studying, I would look up the ratio, and that was it. Like I love, you know, the law in terms of like as a practical framework to help my clients achieve their goals. And there's no escaping the fact that you need to be really familiar with statute and case law to be a successful lawyer. But as a solicitor, I feel like it's way more toned down than uh, than at the bar. So those are my reasons, and for me being a commercial solicitor you know specifically rather than in different spheres made complete sense so as I said I did a business degree and so I always had like a, biz- a commercial background basically so I did do law at A-love as I said and I carried on doing law modules because um, I was fortunate to be able to do some law modules when I was in my undergrad they were very like tip of the iceberg introductory like here's a bit of company law type stuff but it kept that interest alive um, and you know business but like I really found hard at my undergrad Um, I kind of did all right at business studies A-level and then I got to uni and I went to one of the best business schools and they were like oh so you've all done A-level maths right and I was like Um, Like, I'm very much a wordsmith, like, words in my jam. So then I just spent four years really struggling, basically, um, and I wanted to, like, really keep the integrity of my degree. So I carried on doing, like, econ and accounting throughout, and I was just like, why have you chosen this degree? So by the time I graduated, I was very much ready to crack on and do the GDL. And as I said previously, I'd done, like, informal work shadowing in the university holidays and it was important to me to get a breadth of experience in doing that so I did do shadowing at like criminal firms um and I did some more that was kind of on the more commercial side or like mixed practice at least a little high street firms and I did open days and things like that and networking evenings once I got onto the GDL the GDL was a place where it really kind of solidified for me it was going to be commercial law because I met lots of different firms at careers events and things like that I kind of knew it was never going to be like criminal law for me with a business background but um obviously I think when you're a student you kind of want to keep your options open and for a lot of people like justice and the law uh you know manifest itself uh, as, a, as a career as a cr- criminal lawyer but yeah for me it was definitely I wanted to be a solicitor and i definitely wanted to be in the commercial world and um, i like working with companies to address the issues that they face and you know again no no judgment or anything like that but I don't particularly like working with individuals in my capacity I did do work experience very like family law and things like that and I find that like I take my hat off to anyone that can do that but it's really really hard demanding emotionally draining work and for everyone it's just about what you're passionate about and drives you to do that keeps you going and um, some people would say that they would find my line of work like really demanding and stuff like that But when you're passionate about something, it just kind of spurs you on. So that's my like long-winded, potted history as to why I chose to be a solicitor and I guess why a commercial solicitor rather than on the crime side. No, I think you
1: articulated that perfectly, especially um, saying that barristers, it it can be more lonely than being a solicitor. I think you touched on that. And I think it's a really important point that isn't always talked about that much. One of our first guests we had on the podcast, Alice Robertson-Rickard, she's now a judge, but she was a barrister and she was reflecting on her career and she was saying that she wished someone had just said, you know, when she was younger, starting her career in law, that actually being a barrister is quite lonely. Yes, you have the roving room, chambers and everything, but it's it's very different. And she was saying that probably in hindsight, she would have been more comfortable as a solicitor. So I think it's such an important thing to talk about. Yeah definitely and the different
2: paths as well like there's so much cross qualification now and you could be a solicitor and do your hire's rights and become a solicitor advocate or if you do make it to barrister the preeminent law firms are always hiring silks to consult so nothing's ever set in stone but it feels when you're like that 16, 17, 18 year old like you kind of have to be on the track and, and stick with it or at least it did for me and obviously it's a very long time ago like more than 10 years ago and lots is constantly changing the field but I do think there's there's always going to be an element of that that is true yeah.
1: yeah no thank you for that um so moving on to the next question there's obviously we've talked about this there's a lot of resources out there for students at university and particular for those in their final years of university but um one of our followers wanted to ask what are your top tips for first year students so you've just joined university you're thinking about a career in law what where do you start so
2: i'm really bad influence most of the time and I'm not somebody that you know is gonna like give you a free pass but I will just like be truthful. I genuinely say to all first-year students you need to enjoy that year and it gets real real quick um, after that and well, unless you're unlucky in your first year, grades do count. Um, but I would just say to everybody to take that opportunity in your first year to really enjoy it, make the most of every experience and throw yourself into it. Um, it's quite hard to then go back, I find sometimes, because I got to like, my final year and kind of felt, I don't feel like I've really ingrained in university life. I don't feel like I really got involved in as many societies and clubs. But then the majority of those are aimed at freshers and it felt quite hard to get involved with them at a later stage. and um, I'm sure it probably wasn't, but it felt that way. Um, and also most people are more general in their first year in terms of what they study, and then you niche down. So your first year is just a great opportunity to like experiment and have fun with what you're studying as well. Um, I think with the law, it tends to attract a lot of like really ambitious, intense people and so they feel the pressure right from the off to get amazing grades and to um you know go on to spring insight schemes and go on to open days and all this stuff and that's probably really justified like I didn't do the you know a law undergrad llb students you know that probably is right um that they feel that way and justified that they feel that way um for me obviously I did an on-law degree so I just enjoyed every minute um, of my first year um and yeah I, I think the only thing I would say is In your first year also, it's a time where whilst you're busy enjoying yourself, you don't want to miss out on any key opportunities. So I know that might sound like a juxtaposition, but as I said, like so much is aimed at freshers. So I would just attend stuff like if your university is putting stuff on don't let it pass you by like it's never too early to be going to careers fairs and things like that um because once you leave uni you realize all these fantastic resources like are actually really helpful and if you didn't capitalise on them at the time it's a bit of a shame so if your uni career service is ever putting on a, employability talks or yeah um careers fairs or like if law firms or whatever you're interested in barrister chambers come to campus Then make the most of it you know because I wasn't lucky enough to have that and law firms didn't come to my uni so I always say to people just to try and do that because the vast majority of what I've learned about law firms you know before I entered the sector was through talking to people who work at law firms so whilst you're still figuring everything out and you're in your first year, just like capitalize on all of those opportunities and meet as many people as possible. Um, but yeah, that would be my, my main actual piece of advice. Um, I think in general, I just say to everyone to really try and enjoy it and make the most of it and grab all those opportunities with both hands.
1: No, I love that. I mean, I'm uh, a non-law student as well. So I'm in my final year now, uh, studying history, politics and economics. So obviously there's some elements which are law, but very different to those students who are studying law. Um, And I actually did an open day of um, this, this academic year, actually, so in my third year and there were a lot of first years there, but it just, it just goes to show that you can do these things in your second and third year, you know, like you can go to the open days, like they're not going to disappear, especially for non-law students. So I think, I think you've articulated that perfectly. Um, So speaking of applications and everything. A whole part of your content is based around applications. And one of our followers wanted to know, what's your main piece of advice to stand out at law firms? No pressure. (laughs) I was going to say, there's just so much that I could
2: say. And I don't know if any one thing is like more important than the other. But um, I think the biggest thing, and I think it's something that people never actually truly absorb. They're like, yeah, yeah, I know, I know. But they don't actually do it, is killing any generic applications and making sure everything is really tailored and bespoke. When I work with some of my mentees on their applications, they're always like, when I rewrite it and make it really specific with my knowledge of what I know of them, they're always like, oh, that's what you need. Like, really, genuinely, can anybody else write that sentence? Because if they can, then it needs editing. It always needs to be brought back to you or the firm specifically otherwise it's just going to read too generically and it's the piece of advice that gets bandied around all the time and so I'm you know I feel guilty saying it because it's it's not novel but I feel like people just don't look at it in the right way or frame it in the right way like it really does have to be you know weigh every sentence like you've only got like whatever 150 200 250 words um to stand out why would you waste any thought on fluff and filler like it has to be Completely bespoke to you and the firm, and it's just amazing to me how many applications I read. Like I don't read loads of applications; I just work with the feed mentees. But when I read them, and I'm just like, "You haven't said anything about you, or what you've said about the firm could apply to any firm." So it's just about getting rid of platitudes and making sure that your research is detailed enough to incorporate very specific reasons and rationales for why you want to join that firm, and then having amazing examples that are super quantifiable and specific for why you you know, are the right fit for that firm that's been the biggest thing for me and I think when you come on the other side of the process you, you then realise how everybody just says the same things all the time so the second piece of advice if I'm allowed, if I'm allowed a second piece yeah. um, is, yeah, is to talk to people in the industry and at firms if you're applying to a law firm and you haven't spoken to anybody at that firm I would caution you against that Not only because how do you know if you're going to like that firm or if it's the right fit for you, but just to actually make your application stand out. And really something as simple as um, I want to work at X firm because you're preeminent in Y sector. When speaking to associates and trainees at your firm, I understood that you work on matters and deals like Blob um, with clients such as Blob that's something I really want to emulate really off the cuff generic example but the amount of people that don't go and do that and speak to people to actually understand what is life as a lawyer at that firm like what type of work they do what's their client base what do they hang their hat off like there's hundreds if not thousands of law firms and they all say the same stuff about themselves so or or kind of like variations on a theme so I just think unless you speak to people at the firm and it doesn't have to be messaging partners on LinkedIn, you know, um, message some trainees on LinkedIn or like utilize legal Instagram, like people will message me about applications. And then I'm like, what firm are you at, Like applying to, by the way? And then chances are that I know somebody from legal Instagram who is at that firm or successfully obtained a TC at that firm. So... Make the most of legal Instagram if, if they're on Legal Instagram, because it is amazing, and make the most of LinkedIn if not, go to industry networking events, attend webinars, and just embed yourself in the industry and speak to as many people as possible, and specifically people at the firms you want to work at. Um, because then that is the biggest thing I think in tipping your answers back to the previous thing I said, tipping them from generic to specific. Um yeah, there's no me- you know, there's no methodology that you can say to someone like do this and it's gonna work. But I think those are the two biggies that people don't do that are like a really simple mindset shift that hopefully mean you have more success
1: no that's great and one thing i found is you know there comes to a point with applications part of it is a numbers game you need each of those applications to be amazing but equally you know you i would say you want to be looking at at least 10 to apply to you for summers um so obviously it's a mammoth task to try and speak to someone at every single one of those firms so i personally found just googling bright network they normally have an interview written down with a trainee and you can talk about that trainee in your application you know yeah. as long as you've researched somehow i don't think it always has to be this amazing like i met this person for a coffee or you know it can as Except- just researching a bright network interview um
2: definitely and I, and I think this is why people who are applying to law firms need to not start researching law firms in september if they're submitting applications in october it's an ongoing process and um cultivating like a network is something that's always an ongoing process anyway but when you're trying to mesh yourself in the industry and chat to people it, people should try and take a long-term view you're right it doesn't always have to be like i had to sit down coffee with someone like that would be yeah definitely not the norm but if people are like continually trying to do bits of this as they go throughout their university experience or GDLLPC experience or like whatever they're up to just doing little bits incrementally um and you know the vast majority of people sorry to say it, aren't successful in their first cycle so then you build you're just building on those experiences for the next time you apply and um yeah i i, I completely understand what you're saying there's so many resources out there that Whatever way you can find that information, it is great. YouTube, like and Eventbrite, and things like that, are amazing resources which we can all access now, you know, from home. Whereas when I was applying, I had to squeeze so much in to go to these in-person networking evenings and take time off for open days and things like that because everything was in-person. And um, by virtue of things being virtual now, hopefully people can have got way better accessibility to that information.
1: Yeah, and I've also found Instagram and Twitter. If you've got an account just following the law firm that you're applying to, they'll post updates about, or even if you don't have accounts on those platforms, looking at their news page on their website, they'll post updates on their deals or clients they're working with. And if you've got that one example, you know, that is going to make you stand out from someone else. So no, that's such a good piece of advice. Um, Speaking of social media, how do you manage your career in law whilst being active on social media and do you find it challenging? <laughs> yes of course it's hugely challenging um, and
2: to be fair that's only been the case recently because um, obviously I started my page in January and January, February, March, April were in lockdown so that was okay and then my industry as a whole the restructuring and insolvency profession has been quite depressed and quiet at the moment because of the temporary legislation that's in place as a result of the pandemic. So it was kind of like, okay, to begin with. And then my workload has absolutely exploded these last few months um, because I'm, you know, because R&I's quiet were basically effectively seconded out to other teams. So I've really noticed these last few months how much of a challenge it is, but um, at risk of sounding like really cheesy and cringe, I just enjoy doing it so much and I get so much out of it that I'm just having to find time for it. Um, it, it is basically my only hobby at the moment. Um, like I do have to devote, it is really time consuming, especially because, and I probably need to work on this and like install some boundaries, but I put so much pressure on myself to respond to every DM. And like, as we've said, I don't want it to be generic. When I give people advice, like I really want to take my time to understand the situation and, and give them advice. And, um, and like the infographics, I agonise over them because you want to make sure that anybody who lands on your page, no matter what stage they're at, whether it's student, paralegal trainee, or they want to be an apprentice or whatever, like my focus is very much on junior lawyers Um, they can take something away from it and have I missed anything and you know, would anybody disagree with that? And it is hugely time consuming, but um, I have enjoyed it so, so much that I'm just having to find time for it I will definitely admit that working from home has helped a lot because there's stuff like so like today to record this podcast I'm working from home so that I can do it otherwise I would have to like book a telephone booth at work and I'd be quite stressed about the equipment and like how that would work and I regularly have like evening engagements now where I will talk on a panel and it's like just an hour and that's fine because I'm at home and I can just log on before and after it. Whereas there's not a possibility I'd be able to, like next week, for example, I've got two evening engagements um, where I'm speaking on panels. I would never be able to do that in the office. How would I leave at five o'clock Monday on Tuesday? Go to that. And then the effort of going back to the office, it's all just way more stressful. Whereas the flexibility to work from home has meant that I can really capitalise on the opportunities um, that come my way and um it gives me a bit of flexibility in any downtime like just between you know whilst I'm waiting for comments from a partner on a document if I haven't got anything else to do open up Canva do some little do some work on some infographics like obviously I wouldn't do that in the office so I'm really fortunate now Monday Friday I'm working from home by and large so I can kind of flex with it and fit it in um and yeah you just I think you just get better at you know managing your own time it's constant like battle but I, I do think I'm i'm kind of ruthlessly efficient now and quite good at managing my time and um yeah i just really enjoy it so i just find time to fit it in people probably have noticed that obviously it scales back a bit when you are busier like i don't feel any pressure to post one week if i'm really busy i just do it when i can and you know people know that you're busy so that's fine um so i just take it week by week basically and um so far so good
1: no, that's great. And congratulations on being invited to speak uh, at some events. That's so exciting. Yeah, um, it's great. yeah. So again, you have touched on this, but do you think social media is improving access to legal profession? I mean, certainly accounts like yours, that's what your whole account is dedicated for, which is great.
2: Yeah, I definitely think in terms of that that information barrier, I think legal Instagram is helping massively Um, it gives people insight into what the industry is like it helps them with their applications it shows them that people from different backgrounds can do it like you know that's what I'm not saying I'm like a role model but that's like one of my biggest things as well to try and let people know you don't have to look and act a certain way to be a lawyer like you can just be normal and like down to earth and chill and you don't have to have gone to um, you know incredible unis and interned with the UN and like you know cured cancer to to be to get a training contract which is how it feels sometimes so I think it it definitely is helping people from that perspective I don't know how much law firms can miss lives on social media I'm not going to lie um I think it would be great and even better if firms realized that they can and they should work with career influencers or legal influencers to expand how they target grads and um, obviously law firms as a whole are not hugely open to change and innovation um, although every law firm will say we're, so, we're like you we so much tech and we're so innovative and um, you know most law firms have quite low social media presence um, so I think that's an unexplored opportunity and an area of potential um, and in the meantime the whole kind of like legal Instagram thing is kind of in its infancy so I think it's just going to go from strength to strength And some of the kind of like OG accounts like Lucy Does Law and people like that are now achieving like you know I've got like loads and loads of followers and I've got platforms with the firms that they are to join or I've already joined and so they're going to be able to really Springboard from their pages to create even more opportunities for applicants in those spaces. So I think there's a lot of people doing a lot of great work. And I, yeah, I really am hopeful that it's going to increase accessibility to the profession for hopefully quite a lot of people.
1: No, it's definitely a thing. Um, I mean, I think it's going to just, it's only going to grow in the next few years. Um, sure. And yeah, it's so true, especially once people do have a good platform then hopefully that's when grad recruitment can work with them and just encourage people to join. So fingers crossed, this will be a growing space. Um, So for our last question, what's your approach to workwear in the context of the sector? And do you think this is affected by your gender? Your content is quite often about workwear, which I absolutely love. I think it's so great. I personally find workwear quite challenging. (laughs) So yeah. Yeah, I think that is the thing. A lot of people do find it challenging.
2: Um, And so the workwear side of things came out of that. I had a lot of people that messaged me to ask what was appropriate and what wasn't, for example, which is mental, um, isn't it? And I do think it's quite a traditional profession and people panic about what they should and shouldn't wear and what they should and shouldn't do. Um, My thoughts on it has kind of evolved over time. I think where I'm at currently is... um, I've qualified, I am uh, under, you know, a professional obligation and and duty to the SRA. As long as I am not misplacing the trust that the public puts in the profession and I'm compliant with the SRA code of conduct and I feel comfortable and confident and professional, then that's what I'm going to wear. I think a few years ago, I would have probably responded differently and I probably would have dressed much more conservatively um, and kind of in certain colors you know just wearing black and gray and things like that and um, for me I think one of the biggest points is that everybody needs to think about what their brand is and I'm someone that most people only spend five minutes with me and they know that they're not going to get like the typical uptight lawyer and um, that's my brand you know I I'm very obviously professional <laughs> with clients, whilst also still being quite friendly and approachable. Um, and then with my team and my colleagues and everybody else that I interact with, I'm just like this—like I have conversations like this. So I think what I wear is reflective of that. And um, I'm never—I never have been a suit wearer. I don't wear suits, you know. I just wear blouses or shirts and trousers and skirts and things like that. Like I—I I don't dress super formally. And um, at the end of the day, everybody is mature enough to decide what's appropriate for their environment. I do, I have noticed it can vary massively by firm and by team. Even for me as a trainee, one of the teams I sat in when I was like super busy, everybody was, the dress code there was so much more chilled. And this was pre-COVID. So before we've had this kind of slight shift. So being a bit more like hybrid, casual dressing. Um, but yeah, this was like back in 2019. And because everybody was so busy, like people wouldn't bat an eyelid if you came in, in like Lululemons and a jumper, like, you know you're flat out busy so why do they care if you put a suit on that day like they know the work's getting done and at the end of the day I think that's what it is it's about recognizing that everybody's adults and you can trust them to wear what's appropriate um and oftentimes it's really funny like the lawyers the most dressed up in the room it's crazy like a lot of my clients have been general counsel at banks or funds and things like that and they're dressed down all the time. And then I show up in like a tweed jacket and heels and you just like spot the lawyer, you know? Um, And it depends where you sit with that. Some people like that and kind of reinforcing that prestige. For me, obviously, a lot of what I do is about democratising the profession and like increasing accessibility to the profession. And so for me, like what I've decided to do is I am more, you know... Not on. I wouldn't say casual if I meet a client, but I'm, I'm not someone that's ever going to wear a three-piece suit. Um, so, yeah, I think everybody kind of should do what feels right for them. In terms of my platform, I've been loving doing the workwear work content as a form of expression. Fashion has always been a really big part of my life. Um, not that I'm like fashion icon or something, but I love clothes and expressing myself through clothes. And so I don't particularly think that should be any different at work you can still have fun with it and express yourself um and that shouldn't be different or wrong and ultimately I think it's incumbent on everybody to join a workplace that reflects their values and reflects that if that's something they want my firm is very chill and down to earth so that's why you know I joined it and obviously because of that the dress code slightly different um some more corporate firms you know it might be a bit more of a corporate dress code so I think yeah it's about everybody reflecting on what they would like and how they want to express themselves um in terms of has it been affected by gender again I think this is where you know I really try to like set the record straight a little bit on this with my platform um as someone that presents as a woman I have felt Sometimes I should dress a certain way, and to be honest, I continue to feel that it's not right. But it's just something that systemically, how am I single handedly supposed to take on? So, for example, watching my neckline and watching my hemline is something that I do do, just because I'm not going to show up to a client meeting in like cotton pants and a crop top. That's just me and my preference. And at the end of the day you know we we can only push progress so much like the law is quite a traditional profession so I still recommend people to just be aware of what the culture of their particular environment is and what their client base is um but yeah it it has definitely been affected by the fact that I'm a woman um but it's not all negative because I think for men there's very little self-expression in what they wear at work whereas as a woman I feel like there's almost limitless possibilities in what I what I can wear you know to work and almost what you can get away with and that makes it sound negative, but, you know, we can push the envelope a bit more, I think, if you're someone that does, like, present as a female. So, yeah, um, it's been affected, but it's something that I have just tried to really minimise and to not overthink. Um, At the end of the day, your work should speak for itself. What we wear doesn't affect the job. And if you ever did anything client-facing, then everybody's an adult and they can kind of decide what's appropriate. And, you know, at the end of the day, they're just clothes and we should have fun with them and enjoy enjoy like representing ourselves and our brand through them so that's kind of
1: I absolutely love that approach and I also think you touched on such a good point like if you're meeting a client during the daytime you're going to be dressed very differently than if you're in the office working late from nine to eleven you know you might want to just take your heels off put a hoodie on in the evening but if you're with a client it is a bit different um no, and I just yeah, like I said, I really love your workwear content. I think that's such a growing space on Instagram.
2: It's something that's definitely evolving at the moment after the pandemic, and I think everybody's a little bit like, "What do you wear to work now?" Like, and it's been a great byproduct, I think, actually, of the pandemic that dress codes are a little bit more relaxed by and large. So I think lots of people are looking for workwear inspiration, um, myself included. So yeah, I think it's a really fun like side of Instagram and it's been a kind of strand of content that I've been really enjoying doing and
1: being part of yeah well thank you so much for coming on the podcast honestly I feel like your responses to our questions have just been so amazing and like you've just guided us through life as a qualified sister in such a great way (laughs) thank you
2: thanks so much for having me I've really enjoyed it